In this quiet hour, may our spirits be renewed. In this gathering of friends, may we be ready to extend ourselves to those in need and with trust to receive the hand that is offered. In this community of ideals, may we remember the principles that guide us and reflect upon those things that give most meaning to our lives, renewing our dedication to serve the highest that we know. And in this time of worship, may our minds be open to new truths, our hearts be receptive to love, as we give thanks for this precious life that we are blessed to share. These opening words by Gary Kowalski, they welcome all those who've gathered on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. Welcome to regular members of the Kensington congregation, to friends and visitors with us today, particularly the huge contingent from Brighton who are joining us on a virtual away day. You are most welcome. Also welcome to all those who are listening in by the podcast or watching us on YouTube at some later date. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackhall. I've been part of this congregation for 22 years now. I'm the ministry coordinator. I've just completed my ministry training at Unitarian College and I'm just a few weeks away from the ordination. If anyone's here for the first time today, we are especially glad to have you with us. You're welcome. I hope you find something if you need, of what you need this morning. Maybe a bit of consolation, maybe a bit of spiritual uplift. Please do hang around afterwards for a chat or drop us an email in the week if you'd like to introduce yourself. Or you might want to think about coming to one of our small group gatherings. They're a better way of getting to know the group more deeply, have a more rounded sense of who this congregation are. If you're a regular, thank you for all you do to welcome all who come. Even while we're on Zoom, we have a part to play in co-creating this sacred space and this sense of beloved community. Whoever you are, however you are, know that you are welcome in this space this morning, just as you are. And as I say every time, feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable. It is lovely to see all your faces, but we know for some it will feel more comfortable to keep your camera mostly off. That is fine. You can lurk with our blessing. You know how to find us in the week if you want to say hello later. There will be a couple of opportunities to join in as we go along, but there's no compulsion to do that either. This morning's service is titled Crying for Help. This morning we'll be reflecting on the experience of reaching out to others when we're struggling and in need and also the experience of being the one who hears the cry for help because at some time or another in life we will surely find ourselves in both of those positions. This topic came out of a conversation that the members of the pastoral network had over the summer and in a way it's a counterpoint a part two of the service in the spring about caring in community that the members of the pastoral network led. In a community of caring such as this one, we need to think about the relation between the helper and the helped. So I'm going to light our chalice now, as we do each Sunday and at other times when we gather. This simple ritual connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and it reminds us of the historic and proudly progressive religious tradition of which this little gathering is part. We are people of all ages who enter this virtual space, bringing our joys and our concerns, and we come together in hope. We greet each other with our voices and our smiles. 
we come together in peace. We light this chalice to symbolize our interdependence and our unity. We come together in harmony. We share our growth and our aspirations. We come together in wonder. We share our losses and our disappointments. We come together in sorrow. We share our concern and our compassion. We come together in love. We come to this virtual space bringing our doubts and our faith. We come together as seekers. We sing and pray and listen. We speak and read and dream. We think and ponder and reflect. We cry and laugh and share times of stillness. We mourn and celebrate and meditate. We strive for justice and for mercy. We come together in worship. And let's think about all those joys and concerns, spoken and unspoken. Let's hold them and each other in a spirit of compassion and loving kindness as we move into an extended time of prayer now, based on some words by Bruce Southworth. You might want to adjust your position now to get comfortable. You might want to close your eyes, soften your gaze, maybe look at the chalice. There might be a posture that helps you feel more prayerful, whatever works for you. Do what you need to do to get into the right state of body and mind for us all to pray together now, to be fully present in this sacred time and space we have set aside with ourselves, with each other, and with that which is both within us and beyond. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, we tune in to your holy presence within us and amongst us. This morning, we give thanks for all of nature's many gifts. We give thanks for the care of friends and the compassion of neighbours. We give thanks for the communion of all those who seek to serve others and serve the common good. Each of us carries our private griefs and burdens. Sometimes we feel able to share these, to be vulnerable with other people, and for the open hearts which respond to us in kindness, we are grateful. Sometimes the world bears heavy on us. We struggle alone, search the depths and long for healing, for renewed hope for strength, which give their grace and peace. May we be strengthened in efforts to be of service. And may each of us be mindful of any aspects of privilege and comfort that we benefit from, that others may be denied. 
May our prayer be that we always see clearly and keep before us the commandment to care. May we always try to be inclusive and open, not exclusive and narrow. On this day and each day, may we give thanks, but let us also be dissatisfied. Dissatisfied with the world as it is, for a new and better world is waiting yet to be realised. May our spirits and bodies be nourished and nurtured as we give thanks in praise of all that sustains us, all that heals and holds, all that is holy. In our company this morning and every time we gather in community, there will be those whose hearts are freshly broken open by loss and grief, rejection and loneliness, disappointment and meaninglessness. So let us spend a few quiet moments now directing our prayers of loving kindness to the brokenhearted. In our company this morning and every time we gather in community, there will be those whose hearts are full and overflowing, buoyed by the beauty of nature and culture, uplifted by family and friends. So let us spend a quiet moment directing our prayers of thanks for all that is good in our lives. In our company this morning and every time we gather in community, there will be those who are simply keeping on, keeping on as best they can. Their hearts are blessed, messy mix of all life's many emotions. So let us spend a further quiet moment asking for what we most need to face life's ups and downs. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves. Using our unique gifts, in the service of love, justice, and peace. Amen.
time for us to sing together now. Our first hymn is called When I Am Frightened <clears throat> and it's performed by the Unitarian Music Society. In a way, this hymn almost reflects the sort of inner narrative we might have going on when we're struggling, when we need to cry for help, when we're scared, uncertain, troubled or lonely, in a mess. And it reminds us what we might most helpfully offer to those in need, compassion, acceptance, comfort, commitment, the words of the hymn will appear on screen so that you can sing along, but you might prefer just to listen. We'll do our best to make sure you all stay muted so nobody will hear you. is a reading called On Facing the Inevitable by Richard S. Gilbert. There is a story of a little girl sent by her mother on an errand. When she finally returned, her mother asked, what took her so long? A friend had broken his bicycle and she had stopped to help. Her mother said, but you don't know anything about fixing bicycles. I know, 
the little girl said. I stopped to help him cry. We come here in the presence of the ultimate mystery, knowing we are bound by the inevitabilities of life. Determined as we are to fix things, to make all things right, to display our mastery over fate. In our wiser moments, we know our limits. Sometimes all we can do is sit in the presence of one another and cry. Always we are trying to assert ourselves in the face of life's difficulties. We need to feel that we can overcome them, that we can triumph over adversity. Sometimes in the face of the imponderable, all we can do is sit with one another and love. We are all too human in our need to feel our superiority to the things of nature. Neither beasts nor flowers of the field are we, rather the crowning glory of creation. We are also creatures who have only begun to explore our limits. Sometimes in the face of the unchangeable, all we can do is sit with one another and laugh. May we forgive our arrogance, understand our pride, be gentle without presumptions. It is only that we are human, that our reach exceeds our grasp, that we try so hard to be gods. In the face of the divine, all we can do is stay with one another and be human. Thank you, Sonia. We're moving now into a time of meditation. I'm going to share a few words by George O'Dell. These are words that might be quite familiar to some of you. We use them every now and then. These words will take us into this time of meditation. They'll be followed by a few minutes of shared stillness during which we'll have our virtual chalice on the screen. And the silence will come to an end with a piece by our music scholar, Abby Larimier, who this week is accompanied by her mum, Sue. As I always say, the, the words, the music, the images, they're all just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. So once again, let's each do what we need to do to feel comfortable. Have a wiggle, maybe put your feet flat on the floor to ground and steady yourself. Maybe close your eyes as we let these words from George O'Dell take us into this time of stillness. We need one another when we mourn and would be comforted. We need one another when we're in trouble and afraid. We need one another when we're in despair in temptation and need to be recalled to our best selves again. We need one another when we would accomplish some great purpose and cannot do it alone. 
we need one another in the hour of success when we look for someone to share our triumphs with. We need one another in the hour of defeat when with encouragement we might endure and stand again. We need one another to remind us that we share this journey of life as we share the earth, our home. All our lives we are in need and others are in need of us.
I've got an extra reading for you this week. This is a piece by the Unitarian Universalist Minister, Erica Hewitt, from their Braver, Wiser series. You can actually sign up on the UU website to receive a mini reflection like this in your email inbox every Wednesday, which I'd highly recommend. This piece is called Love is the Last Thing to Ration. It begins with a quote from Brene Brown, who writes, Empathy is not finite, and compassion is not a pizza with eight slices. When you practice empathy and compassion, there's not less of these qualities to go round. There's more. Love is the last thing we need to ration in this world. The refugee in Syria doesn't benefit more if you conserve your kindness only for her and withhold it from your next door neighbour who's going through divorce. Erica Hewitt goes on with a story from her own life. She writes, when I picked up her call, Kira's voice was thick with tears. Kira, one of my best friends, is the mother of four-year-old twins, working full-time and grieving a recent divorce, which means she's also learning how to be a single parent. I lost it tonight, she confessed in a rush. The kids pushed me over the limit at bedtime. I yelled and then I started sobbing so hard that I had to sit down on the floor. I hate that my children had to see that. I am so overwhelmed. I listened as Kira continued. But I work with a woman who lived through the Bosnian War and she's still smiling. So I suppose I should be able to do this. I should be grateful and stop complaining. Now I'm not a parent, but I recognise the voice of this particular demon all too well, says Erica Hewitt. Your pain isn't legitimate, it taunts. Sorrow is a competitive sport and you're the loser. Only when I'm upright again do I manage to tell that particular demon to take a flying leap. Pain is the most common human experience, along with our body's primeval appetites. From my own intimate history with sorrow, pain is also the human experience we most exert ourselves dismissing or secreting away. For many reasons, real and imagined. What a loss it is to diminish our sorrow or fear rather than bringing it to the companions and helpers that we trust and to the proving ground of vulnerability between us. I believe that we're all entitled to our pain. There's no hierarchy of grief or fear in which someone else's pain invalidates our own. If anything, giving voice to our pain metabolizes it. We come to hold it instead of it holding us. Better yet, sorrow is an invitation to recalibrate our hearts so that we can view one another with both more gentleness and a sense of recognition. You too. Me too. It's like a homing device pinging out our longing for connection. My wish for all of us wounded, scared human beings is that we remain watchful for those who would frame compassion as a pizza with eight slices rather than its true nature, mysterious and abundant a place where we knit ourselves into each other's lives and evidence of our inherent wholeness. Erica Hewitt concludes with a few brief words of prayer. Compassionate one whose arms hold the struggling single mums and everyone else too. May I never dole out my love in small slices, but instead draw from the deep well of goodness, empathy and compassion that you provide to us. Prayerful words from Erica Hewitt.
So earlier in the year, following the retirement of our minister, this congregation, we started a new venture, a pastoral network, in hope of being a bit more intentional about sharing out the responsibility for pastoral care in the church during this time of transition, but hopefully for the long term too. This isn't something we've done before, and though we did our homework and sought advice from others, being eager to learn about how this sort of thing works elsewhere, it also got us reflecting on our own prior experiences of both giving and receiving support. That is, the seven of us who are currently involved in running this pastoral network, me, Janine, Chloe, Sonia, Pat, Marianne and Michaela. Over the summer, we got into an important conversation together about this relationship between the helper and the helped, and how in the end we're all a bit of both somewhere along the line. Some days we're more painfully aware of our own struggles and needs, and we're the one that's crying for help. Other days we're more aware of our strengths and our gifts and what we have to offer. We're in a better position to respond to other people's cries. And perhaps most days we find ourselves a bit of a mixture somewhere in the middle. That was the key thing that came out of this conversation at the pastoral network meeting in the summer. And it's the insight that inspired this morning's service theme. None of us think of ourselves as especially set apart helpers, because just by virtue of being human, we all have plenty of our own troubles to worry about. Ultimately, the seven of us are just as much in need of help as anyone who might come to us for a listening ear. So we know, we really know how hard it can sometimes be to reach out and ask for the help we need when we're struggling especially if we feel like we're the only one, if we've got the undoubtedly mistaken impression that everybody else is coping just fine with everything that life is throwing at them, everybody except us. That reading we just heard from Erica Hewitt, it highlighted one of the things that might sometimes inhibit us from reaching out for the help we need, this sense we might have that other people have got it worse, we're not entitled to make a fuss, so we ought to suck it up or keep calm and carry on without bothering anyone. Erica Hewitt's friend said after her toddler had a meltdown, which pushed her completely over the limit, she said, I work with a woman who lived through the Bosnian war and she's still smiling, so I should be able to do this. I should be grateful and stop complaining. As Hewitt responded, pain is the most common human experience and also the human experience we most exert ourselves dismissing for many reasons, real and imagined, what a loss it is to diminish our sorrow or fear rather than bringing it to the companions and helpers that we trust and to the proving ground of vulnerability between us. So perhaps that's the first element of this morning's pretty simple message really, an encouragement to be authentic with each other about the realities in our lives and all their complicated shadings and not to pretend that we're okay if we're not. Let us cry out for help when we're in pain or distress because our sufferings and our vulnerabilities, they often turn out to be the deepest points of human connection. But a lot depends on how we respond when we hear another's cry for help. When someone is struggling, even if they've reached out to us, it is not always obvious what sort of help is needed. And when I was preparing this service, I was reminded of a lovely cartoon from thingswithout.com. This describes itself as a comic about creatures who are kind, which is clearly the best sort of comic. So let me share that with you. So one of the two creatures says, I have a sad, which is internet speak for I am feeling sad. His friend answers, are you looking for solutions or for comfort? So the sad creature responds, I would like to be angry, then sad, then comforted, then adventure for solutions, then giggles. 
to which his excellent friend replies, let's start. Love that. And that little cartoon tells us something important, I think. For many of us, when someone comes and tells us of their pain and distress or some difficult stuff that's going on in their lives, there's an understandable human urge that arises to want to fix the problem that we're hearing about. We might have an urge to offer advice or share similar experiences we've been through. And it's not that these responses are necessarily wrong, but they're not always what is required. Often the one who comes to us in pain might primarily want to be heard, to have their story listened to and empathized with, to experience a sense that their suffering has been witnessed. As in our first reading that Sonia gave for us by Richard Gilbert, maybe someone just needs us to stop and help them cry. Sometimes the person might be looking for practical help or advice, sometimes for distraction, sometimes simply for a bit of human connection and sense of solidarity through life's many struggles. And if in doubt, it doesn't hurt to ask, do you want me to get involved or offer advice or just listen? I expect most of us here this morning are familiar with the golden rule, treat others as you would wish to be treated. But I don't know how many are familiar with the platinum rule, treat others as they would wish to be treated. It's worth taking time to find out about their needs, their preferences in these scenarios. So that's probably the second key part of this morning's message. When we hear another's cry for help, let's be sensitive about how we respond rather than assuming that we know what's best, what's required. At the same time, though, we need to be honest about what sort of help we've got it in us to give. If in the moment we hear someone else's cry for help, our own resources are particularly low, we'd better not overpromise about how much support we're realistically going to be able to offer. And that's something I've been particularly aware of since the early days of the pandemic. Pre-2020, I would tend to think to myself, well, I'm having a bad day, but there are loads of people I could text to share my woes and get a bit of support. We're not all going to be having a meltdown at the same time, are we? But last year, when the pandemic struck, it seemed like the end of the world as we knew it. Well, we were all having a meltdown at the same time, to some degree or another. Many of us didn't have a lot of spare coat to spare. And although, to some extent, many of us have got accustomed to the new normal since then, I still get the impression that the cumulative impact of this last 18 months has left many of us weary and our resources spread a little bit thin. So it seems wise to check in with ourselves and make an honest assessment of our limits as a helper, especially as in any given moment, we're likely to be dealing with our own stuff too. We are each both helper and helped, so we need to keep an eye on our own self-care needs. And that leads on to the third and final bit of my little message for you today. Yes, let us help each other as best we can, but let's also accept our human limits in the face of the endless need we're all too aware of in this broken and hurting world. And in those moments when it's all too much for us to carry, let us cry out in prayer and lamentation to the one who holds all in love. To borrow a famous phrase from Martin Luther King, we are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality with all humanity and indeed with all creation. We're part of an interdependent web of life, each of us both helper and helped, the one who cries out in pain and the one who hears that cry, and all of us held in a larger reality in which we live and move and have our being, and in which maybe we can find some ultimate solace, that source of all being which some of us call God.
And in that spirit, I'd like to end this little reflection with a reprise of those words from Odell that were our meditation today. We need one another. I'm going to put them up on the screen and I'll invite you to speak them out loud, staying muted, as an acknowledgement of the struggles we all face in life and as an affirmation of the great gifts we can still be to each other if we have the courage to be vulnerable and if we open ourselves to give and receive in a spirit of love. So I invite you to join in speaking. We need one another when we mourn and would be comforted. We need one another when we are in trouble and afraid. We need one another when we're in despair, in temptation, and need to be recalled to our best selves again. We need one another when we would accomplish some great purpose and cannot do it alone. We need one another in the hour of success, when we look for someone to share our triumphs with. We need one another in the hour of defeat, when with encouragement we might endure and stand again. We need one another to remind us that we share this journey of life as we share the earth, our home. All our lives we are in need and others are in need of us. Amen. One more chance to sing together now. Our second hymn is a lovely, gentle one, The Tides of the Spirit again performed by the Unitarian Music Society. For me, it connects with this sense of showing up as ourselves as best we can and being open and receptive in this dance of giving and receiving. Again, feel free to sing along or just listen if you like.
just a few announcements now. Thanks to Maria for hosting this morning, to Sonia for reading, to Abby and her mum for the lovely music. And um, thanks also to Janine for all her behind the scenes organising of the Zoom hosting. Don't forget we'll have virtual coffee time after the service to chat in small groups if you'd like, or maybe in one big group, we'll see how many people stay. I so say if that's not your thing, feel free to uh, get in touch via email during the week if you'd like to introduce yourself. If you can bear it, we like to take a group photo after the closing music, so do stick around for that. And we'll be back next week on Zoom at 10 when we'll be joined by our good friend Michael Allure from Golders Green Unitarians, who'll be co-leading the service with me. Do feel free to share the link with friends. As ever, there are a number of opportunities to connect with the congregation in the week ahead. Got coffee morning at 10.30 on Tuesday, always excellent uh, conversation. There's become a tradition of people bringing their irons along, so that gives you a sense of the, the deep and meaningful chat that happens there. Uh, what else? Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering is on tonight and on Friday. This week's theme is repetition. Still got a few spaces for each of those if anyone wants to sign up. Even if you've never been before, it's not too late to start. And I know heart and soul is a thing at Brighton too. Uh, this week on Wednesday, as David just put in the chat box, 10.30, the Green Spirit Group will be having an Equinox get together. Um, if you've already signed up, Sarah will be in touch with you today with further information. Uh, if you haven't yet signed up, maybe get in touch with Sarah or David about that. By popular demand, Brian's Poetry Group is back in a few weeks on Tuesday the 5th of October. Details of that were in the Friday email, so do have a word with Brian and let him know if you're planning to come along. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday morning, so we encourage you to keep in touch during the week, drop each other a line, let's look after each other as best we can. Uh, there's one more event on the horizon that I'm particularly keen to let you know about, um, my ordination and valediction service, which is coming up. It'll be Zoom only on Friday the 8th of October at 7 o'clock. I would love to have you all there to celebrate my completion of ministry training. Uh, I can't yet quite call myself Rev officially, but I'm looking forward to the big day and to sharing it with you. I will give all the details in the Friday email a bit closer to the time, but save the date if you can. Friday the 8th of October at 7 just time for our closing words and music now. So I invite you to select the gallery view one more time so that we can get a sense of our gathered community as we close. We leave this gathered community, but we don't leave our connection. We don't leave our concerns and our care for each other. Our service to each other, to the world and to our faith goes on. So until we're together again, may we be strong, be well, be true, be loving. And in the days to come, may we be blessings to all we meet, bringing care and loving kindness wherever we may go. Amen. <laughs>